0: Macworld podcast number 323 for Wednesday, October 10th, 2012. Hi, I'm senior editor Dan Morin, and I'm joined by Macworld staff writer Lex Friedman. Hi, Dan. Hi, Lex. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing very well. Uh, We're also joined today by Macworld senior contributor Glenn Fleischman. Hello, Glenn. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, and thank you for having me. Well, thanks for being here. Uh, we've, we've invited you here to play a very special game. We call it, why is my iPhone running iOS 6, chewing up a whole bunch of data? Sunspots, um, <laughs> cosmic rays. All right, sunspots. We've got the answer. All right, Steve Jobs. Everybody. We'll see you next week. Steve Jobs re- never would have chewed up that much data. The is
1: vengeance awesome. of Steve Jobs.
0: No, so it's been a couple weeks since we've seen the release of both iOS 6 and the iPhone 5. Uh, And there have been a number of sort of lingering discussions about whether there are sort of bugs in there um, and things that are are causing various issues, such as this cellular data consumption issue. So we thought um, Glenn, as someone who knows a lot about issues of this sort, might be able to give us his expert opinion.
1: Well, you remember that before iOS 6 came out, those of us who were in earlier betas, there was a switch that was going to be there that said something like, Use cellular if Wi-Fi is unavailable, or was it vice versa? There was going to be, a, or was it use Wi-Fi if cellular gets flaky? There was a
0: way to. I, I believe s- it was called the Wi-Fi plus cellular.
1: Yes, right. So if it, if if you want a Wi-Fi connection and it stopped working by whatever parameters iOS six was going to use, it could switch over to cellular, and that switch is not in the release version of iOS six. But I'm going to suspect that some of the code that they meant for that to have happen is because I have never had so many individual reports from people I know, colleagues, Twitter, email from readers, various publications about uh, mysterious cell usage bills. Now, one fellow I know in Seattle uh, was an IT guy at the local Alt Weekly paper, um, he's fairly technical guy. He knows what he's doing. He's got Wi-Fi at home. He has no difficulty measuring usage, and his iPhone uh, upgraded, a, I think it was a 4S, upgraded to iOS 6. In the first week, it consumed nine gigabytes of data, primarily while he was at home, and seemingly a lot of it overnight while the phone was plugged in and charging, which we can get back to why that might be an issue, and connected to his Wi-Fi network. He used nine gigabytes of cellular data on his four gig shared mobile plan with AT&T. Well,
0: I'm not an expert, but you know, if I had to venture a suggestion, it would be Ghosts. Now you know what 's interesting is Apple thought that they had
2: identified and potentially fixed this data issue at least for Verizon iPhone five customers and they put out a carrier update carrier update carrier settings update thirteen point one I guess in the beginning of october um, and although I will say that the the process for noticing that update exists and installing <laughs> it is fairly stupid yes. it doesn 't tell you that it 's there you have to let me see if I can remember you 've got to go into the settings app then go to general. And then, uh... Okay, and after, then, oh, yeah, then about. about you have to tap on about and after you're in about you get an alert box that says hey you have a new carrier settings update and then you have to restart your phone and let it do its whole thing and then then you're updated uh if you are smart enough to you know read MacWorld daily to make sure you find out about updates like that then you can install that update but w- from what i've heard it doesn't necessarily fix the problem for verizon iphone 5s the problem affects more phones than just the iphone 5 and the problem affects more carriers than just
0: verizon this is so uh, all true it's a, a big mess you
1: <laughs> This is, this is all true from what I hear. And here, here's the thing. It's it's significant and there's something sloppy going on, but it can't be something that's affecting millions of people. We know that a significant number of people either have purchased a new iPhone 5 with, or, or 4 or 4S for that matter with iOS 6 installed. that never had a previous version. We also know that a lot of 3GS, 4 and 4S owners have upgraded to iOS 6. We've seen that from the usage charts at different sites and browser usage and so forth. So we know this is the case. If this were a problem that was affecting, say, 1% of all iOS 6 users with iPhones, uh, you know, Macworld would be getting 500 emails a day. We'd be getting tidbits. You'd be getting, you know, the Apple forums would be lit up. And when you look around, you, I consistently can find reports of this, and people who are technically sophisticated enough to really document it are writing even more elaborate things and what they're monitoring it, looking at logs and looking at their router traffic and whatever. But I, I believe this is a it's some kind of bug that's affecting maybe, let's say, tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands of people. And if you have something like, like my friend Anthony, he's got a four gigabyte shared mobile planks is a heavy data user. If he went from one gig to two gig, he's not going to notice that he went from from a couple gigs to nine gigs. And that's why in one week is why he noticed it. So whatever the problem is, it's it's an edge case that's affecting people. And there may be more Then the people we – there may be more people affected than know it because it doesn't exceed their monthly data use. And if you're one of the – I don't know. I think there's what, 10 million plus people left on AT&T's network, if I remember the count right, who have so-called unlimited plans. They don't get billed or notified about excessive data. They just get throttled at some point too. It could be affecting large numbers of them.
2: The, the the OS hasn't been out for a full month yet, right? So, I mean, even if you don't have a, a plan exactly. with lots of overages, if you don't follow it closely, you may not know yet that you have an issue. Yeah, right, um, and, and I
0: will speak to this – I can speak to this personally, actually, because – so I have an iPhone 5 um, on AT&T. Show off. And I <laughs> used it um, – I got a notice. I got the AT&T text message, right? Oh, you're, you've exceeded 60% of your data plan. Uh, and I was like, well, that's unusual. I haven't been doing like an inordinate amount of traveling or anything this month. So I was very surprised to see that, especially because I'd only had the iPhone 5 for a couple weeks. Uh, and then I got one. And I'm actually looking back to see when it tells me. I had 65% on October 2nd. So that was about, you know, <laughs> almost a week ago. And then I was at 90% by October 6th. Like that seems insane, right? Like I don't understand how it could, I could. I have a four gig plan that is only used by myself. I do not see how I went thirty five, you know, percent of my data in uh, four days. You, <laughs> that seems extremely stop, unlikely to me.
1: You have to stop downloading all those ten megapixel images of Lex Friedman. That's why, <laughs> which
0: look great on my iPhone five. I'm going it's to admit, true. but
2: um, now, so the, I mean, I will say I haven't have not experienced this issue. I'm using an AT and T iPhone five. Um, Show off. It's, thank you. My, my data was last reset September 21st. I've sent 80.4 megabytes. I've received 127 megabytes. Uh, I never leave the house, so I'm always on Wi-Fi, and it seems to have no problems
1: with that. Yeah, and I, I'm not seeing this either. Now, what, what led me to write this story is actually just a few weeks ago, I was traveling from Seattle to Portland before iOS 6 shipped, and I hadn't installed a beta on my iPhone, and I had a, a different problem that was being well-reported at the time. Um, the podcast app, the horrible only slightly improved podcast app that Apple released uh, that's been updated since, Uh, it did not at that time uh, have a switch for only download or stream over Wi-Fi. And I'm driving to Portland and I get an alert, hey, you've just used up to 90% of your data for the month. And I'm thinking what? And it had burned through hundreds of megabytes in the space of You know, this wasn't even with LTE. This is like highway driving over 4G and I5 and, you know, the middle of nowhere in Washington State. It managed to burn through a couple hundred megabytes in in a matter of minutes. And I posted that article at Tidbits and got a lot of response from people who'd seen the same thing. And then not long after, like a week later, Apple releases the 1.1 version of podcasts that suddenly, hey, there's a switch. Well, I'm hearing from people, even with the switch set to Wi-Fi, they can sit there, be using the app, be streaming or playing, and they can look at the cellular usage on their phone, or they can go on to AT&T or wherever and watch. And the podcast app is clearly pulling down cellular data, even though it's showing a Wi-Fi signal. So there's something... Somewhere right. in the iOS that is doing some yeah. little double dance.
0: This is this is. I saw a video that someone shot, just sort of you know of, of themselves using their iPhone and basically going into the network usage settings, which you can get to in the settings general usage, um, and looking at basically okay, I'm going to reset the cellular data right now, and then I'm going to go out of that screen and then go back into that screen, and it had already used like like some hundred of kilobytes of data or something like that, and. That, the contention on that particular video was that iCloud was causing a lot of this, and so he exactly. went and switched off iCloud and then went back in, and it seemed as though it was not showing the same – it was still showing some data usage but not the same huge amounts as it was used before. What made that
2: the most interesting was in that video, he shows that he's got everything all right, all turned off. All the services
0: off. are off. So it's not like yeah, it's downloading yes. photo stream or stuff like that. Uh,
1: this is Josh Centers, right? Uh, Josh, yeah, Josh yeah, Centers with a C dot com. Yeah, he's been really uh, dogging this story because it's driving him crazy, and he's he's uh, just been trying to. And you know, he pinned some of this to iCloud, and um, you know, we've all all, all our various publications have been running stories about iCloud bookmarks and synchronization bugs and how to solve them. I think because there's there was clearly something in iOS six that if a bookmarks file or other sync files got corrupted or something even i think if you had sync turned off icloud would churn on files and just keep trying to push the same data and that's apparently something that can happen with the podcast app still i believe is that a podcast that's actually downloaded it will keep trying to download it or it will stream 50 percent cache it and keep streaming the same 50 percent over and over so uh, for instance i saw uh, or someone sent me an email that they had recorded 200 megabytes of use for a 40 megabyte podcast. Uh, no matter how much you like the sound of our voices, you don't need to download it five
0: times, uh, Apple. Well, the bookmarks thing is interesting, too, because I noticed an issue with that on my iPhone where I was sitting watching something on television. And I thought, oh, i got to look up this actor on IMDb, and I went into my bookmarks folder where I have – uh, you know, a bunch of bookmarklets for quick searching and they were all gone. Like all my bookmarks were gone. Oh, great. I had to actually go and like turn off bookmark syncing, turn it back on again, and then force quit Safari on my iPhone. And then they all came back. But it was definitely I mean, it does seem as though there is some sort of issue, you know, with something in iCloud that is causing it to sync too much data for some reason. Yeah, it's just, weird. Enough.
1: it's, it's just disturbing that when, oh, now here's a related thing that, that is also just another disturbing part of this, of the many disturbing parts, because this is frustrating for, you know, I would say we are users who can sort of troubleshoot and we spend a lot of time dealing with issues like this and get reports. We can try to figure it out. We're frustrated and, you know, even if it's not happening to us, we can't figure it out. I'm just imagining the many people who have no interest in why this is happening. It's happening to them. So another frustrating thing that I'm hearing reports of is that, Uh, and Apple or AT&T tech support is giving great weird answers about this is if your iPhone is not plugged in to USB charging or to AC uh, via USB charger cable, uh, then AT&T tech support told my friend Anthony, and I've heard other people have gotten the same report from different people, same advice, that your phone will go to 3G or 4G or LTE cellular while it's on standby if it's not plugged in. And I can't find documentation that Apple says it will do that. I found some reports on the Apple forums that people have tested this and seen. Yeah, it does this because conceivably, if there's if you're uh, connected to a Wi-Fi network and there's no activity going on, backing off to uh, use cellular could reduced battery usage in some cases, it depends on a lot of factors, but it can be more efficient in terms of how it talks to a network and how much battery life it uses. I don't know if that's true. People can see that it happens. It's certainly not happening in all cases. And many people charge their phones overnight, so it should never be switching from Wi-Fi to cellular in the middle of the night. And yet people are seeing data usage. There's that issue that AT&T and some carriers do aggregated billing at 11 p.m. Pacific or thereabouts for the day's usage. And I think some people see that, but there's other folks who say you know they can wake it up, they wake the phone up, and it shows cellular, and then it switches to wi fi from uh, a standby state when it 's plugged in in their homes you know next to a wi fi router
0: yeah i mean there 's definitely some peculiar stuff going on here and from my from my perspective when i when I found out that I was getting close to the data limit, I actually went and turned lTE off to see mm-hmm. if that would make a difference. And I ended up getting perilously close to my to my limit, but <laughs> not that close. I mean, like I was I was within a certain amount, but I, I you know, like a couple hundred megabytes of a four gig plan. Uh, and I wondered if some of that was just because LTE can't. Uh, or with for the 4G sorry in quotes that is not LTE just doesn't suck data down fast enough for that to be an issue.
1: Yeah, this um, is definitely part of it. Is LTE is so much faster. If you're in a good spot and you're getting, you know, you can get 40 megabits per second downstream with LTE. People have tested on iPhones and other devices, but 12 to 15 is not unusual on AT&T or Verizon and that can be 5 or 20 or 40 times faster than you get from a 4G network in the same place. So right. you're just So even, totally even a faster. small
0: bug could potentially have big ramifications because it's being, you know, if it's something that's being done over and over again, for example, the LTE may just be more efficient at doing that. Um, I should point out,
1: too, Verizon's carrier settings update. They said they're going to waive charges for overages incurred during the week or so that that was in place. We haven't heard. AT&T wouldn't comment to the New York Times. I sent email to Apple about it and got not a word back, and so I don't think we've seen a public statement from Apple or AT&T about anything beyond... Um, Verizon confirming there was an issue in waiving charge. I mean, they're waiving, you know, ostensibly they're going to use it. look at, um, you know, crazy usage or something. I don't think they're going to waive all over its charges. But that, that's sure. the news we have there so far.
0: Well, that's, a, that's one pretty significant issue. I mean, I think there are some other stuff that have cropped up in iOS 6. Lex, did you have something that you had noticed?
2: Well, I mean, I guess the biggest complaint that people have is, unsurprisingly enough, the Maps app, which I think we've talked about in the Macworld podcast before. Uh, I have to say, I've already noticed improvement in my own limited use of the Mac, of the Maps app, and uh, it's less of a complaint for me than it was at the beginning, and I, I wasn't too annoyed by it to begin with. Are, are you feeling the same way, Dan, or is it still problematic for you?
0: I feel like, I mean, maybe it's just my geographic location, but in Boston, I felt like the, the Apple Maps app was pretty good. It did have some issues. Um, but I think like you're saying that I've seen some improvements in the last couple of weeks, so they're clearly trying to roll those out. They won't be – because it's all dependent on this server-side database that Apple's got, I think, for the most part, um, you're not necessarily going to see them like roll out a software update, right? Oh, new improved maps, download 6.0.1, right? It's, it's actually right. stuff that's kind of subtly done in the background. So, for example, they've they've added some more flyover images. They fixed places where the flyover images were particularly <laughs> strange. The Statue of Liberty, for example, is no longer like kind of a weird Flattened shadow. Um, thanks, David Copperfield, for bringing it back. Um, and I think there have been some some additional fixes. Otherwise, Glenn, I think did I did I see you mention something about this or?
1: Yeah, we Seattle is actually the Seattle data. It must be very good because I um, I was never a big Siri user until i was six because I don't need to know the the uh, atomic weight of uranium while I'm driving typically, uh, and uh, I like to not use my phone you know except when I actually have both hands free, not just one hand free. Um, but I've, So I've been using directions quite a bit just to test it out and see. And uh, it's, you know, A, very good at – I can say, you know, directions to you know, my mother-in-law's house and it, and it does it. even I don't really want to go there, but it still – no, I <laughs> love her. Love her. It still takes me there. Uh, but um, I noticed uh, within days after it started, there was a significant problem in Seattle with one interchange – uh, although most of the rest of the mapping seemed really good and directions seemed good. The, the I-5 and uh, I-90 interchange is kind of ugly in Seattle anyway, heading south, and a few different routes, it would be like, you know, take I-90. I'm like, no, if I take that, I'm stuck, and I have to go five miles <laughs> before I turn around, and I'd change and be like, no, no, take, and I'd say, no, I'm not taking, no, take I-90, no, and would be like, all right. Take the next exit. Okay. Or a couple times I would be on I-90 thinking it meant to take the first exit before a bridge where I'd be stuck. And I'd get on it and say, like, continue on I-5. I'm like, you just told me to take I-90. Well, that's gone away. I used the same route uh, on Sunday that I'd used the previous uh, week. And it correctly showed me the route right down I-5. Got there. And a couple other things that were, I think, glitchy already went away. So they are definitely slipstreaming. Fixes where maybe there are a lot of reports coming in, and I I also wonder—we don't know precisely the kind of data that Apple's getting fed back from directions. But if people go off, off, off the route, reviews, Siri to take this route, um, I wonder if course corrections are being fed in. And tracked as well. It'd be a tiny amount of data, and I, I'm sure we checked a box somewhere that said we were allowing them
2: it's, to do that. Uh, a, a little birdie tells me that yes, that is the case. That uh, you know, I think it's it's general knowledge, at least amongst those who obsess about mobile cartography yes. apps and whatnot, that to get this stuff really good, to get to, you know the, the the advancements that Google has with its you know decade head start, um, requires a lot of direct one-by-one human intervention to correct, you know, direction pieces to correct where things are to correct, you know, just, you know, my, my in-laws live at at 44 on their street and any GPS device you use, including Google maps will tell you, uh, to go right past their house and go to around, you know, 97 and then it'll say, (laughs) okay, here you are. Um, but, uh, You know, correcting those sorts of issues and uh, I think is, you know, done by humans and it's done on a case-by-case basis. So it's my understanding that, you know, when people are going off route, especially early on in the – you know, I think it's – Less common, for obviously, for routes, if you're the only one driving them or if you're the only one taking that detour. But they do sort of look at that data and say, you know, are there towns where we're seeing a lot of ignoring of the initial route advice right. or geographic areas? And then there's manual humans going in there and,
0: and tweaking well, I got I a mean, I, robot over and there. And I I've seen a, improvements to some small issues that I ran into with, for example uh, – I had this problem where there there are streets in Boston that stretch between towns. So you might have a street, uh, Mount Auburn Street, for example, runs from Cambridge through Watertown, and so it would get confused sometimes if you search for something thinking that something was at one forty eight Watertown Street. Uh, in Watertown, or for 148 Mount Auburn Street in Watertown, when in fact it was at 148 Mount Auburn Street in Cambridge, mm. <laughs> which is a difference of several miles. So I was looking for a particular, I was looking for a coffee shop while I was getting my car fixed the other week, and I typed in coffee, and it popped up this little bubble, uh, you know, in Watertown, about you know a f- two minute walk from where I was. I was like, oh, there's one of these places in, in Watertown, and I walk over there, and like, there is nothing here, and I realized ah, it's because it's on the same street, but it's in a different city.
2: <laughs> so. Yeah, I had an issue where you know I I told Siri what where. I wanted to go and it was it literally was a street called Main Street and I told <laughs> it I want to go to Main Street in this specific town and was like, I got it, but Maps instead took me to Main Street, or wanted to take me. I realized that we weren't going the right way pretty quick, but it you know, wanted to take me to the Main Street, another town, even though it had confirmed that it knew just where I wanted to go. And that's th- that was the only issue I've had with Maps to date. It, you know, I uh, that really made me.
1: Angry. I've reviewed, uh, I don't know, like two dozen navigation apps for MacWorld over the last three years, and they keep, they, Jason keeps pulling me back in to review more because they keep coming out. And you know, I think we've reached stability for a lot of them, but the the thing. That's frustrating with the maps app is the directions are actually pretty good. Like I've used especially in Seattle where I've driven sometimes the same route with twenty different programs to see how they perform. And you know, I think Macworld Macworld's favorite, like our top pick was Navigon and a lot of people swear by Navigon for I think it's a little chunky, the UI, but people do like its, um, its directions, its clarity, presentation, consistency, speed, things like that. It typically gets high marks. But, you know, so I've tested the same routes and I think maps has this great balance of, of detail, extra information, talkiness, um, clarity when it's showing exits. It could do a little bit better, but for free. I mean, as, you know, as a no cost thing and as a first pass that's being distributed widely. And I think, uh, it, it's, overall UI, like it's kind of Very pretty presentation that's not overly pretty. It's aesthetically pleasing, but it's easy to look at while I'm driving. It's not cluttered with data. Like, it's all very good. So I'm really looking forward to being sorted out more because most people, you know, people who haven't bought a a navigation app, this is actually really good. This isn't like, um, you know, some Apple software that's included is kind of crummy and they have a version of like podcast app, for instance. It's not very configurable or it's, you know, it's free software. You wish it had more. Maps is actually a very good, Compromise, and people might make it their first pick among several choices. So, you know, that's that's part of what's interesting, too. I mean, there's especially there's routes where uh, if I use TomTom, Tom, which is good, and it's just one of the companies providing data to Apple for its for its mapping back end, TomTom will sometimes tell me, while I'm driving on a straight highway with no exits, you know, go 2.3 miles, then stay on I-5. I'm like, I'm on I-5. I'm not getting off. I'm on this highway for 150 more miles And it tells me that it shows me, puts me in a state of false awareness. It puts up too much information. Uh, Maps pretty consistently is like, you've got 15 miles to go. Hey, it's about half a mile. Hey, take a left and you're going to take a left at the end. And it it just feels like the right balance.
2: (laughs) When Glenn describes maps, I just think of my most mellow friends. Hey, man, take a left soon. Or not. Be
0: great.
1: If you miss it, it's okay. We'll just turn around, man.
0: Well, I mean, and I think, you know, this is one of those things that is temporary growing pains, pains to a certain extent and, you know, a year or two from now when they've actually done a lot of good beefing up this database and fixing a lot of these issues, you know, I imagine there's going to be a lot of people wondering how they got by without it and that this sort of problems with it will have largely faded into the past. But right now it is kind of a visible issue. Um the only other th- – I'm trying to think of other things I've noticed with iOS 6, and it occurred to me I had a conversation with a fellow Macworlder, uh, Dan Frakes, the other day, which I think Lex also ju- jumped into, which was we were talking about typing. And uh, Dan Frakes and I apparently are either really bad at typing or <laughs> something in the keyboard has changed slightly in iOS 6 because I find myself hitting the wrong keys all the time. Lex, you said you did not have this problem.
2: Right, well, see, I mean, every time there's a new iOS update, I – one of the first things i explore because i love autocorrect although many people hate it is how it's been changed and i mean apple has certainly i don't know exactly when all the changes happened but it's certainly made serious progress in in how autocorrect works on iPhones especially where you know now if you hit the the shift key instead of the letter you're actually after. So you've got a random capital letter in the middle of your word. Siri can, I'm sorry, autocorrect and realize what letter you might've been going for and autocorrect the word by the time you reach the end of it. Have you ever seen that in action where you got a, a word with a capital in the middle and then it corrects it to correctly capitalize and everything else? I spell correctly. (laughs) (laughs) Good. And uh, so, you know, so I like that. I just, you know, when, when, when especially i guess it's with with older people if i can generalize grossly but when older people have problems with iPhones and talk to me about them and say that you know they have such a hard time typing and they can't hit the right characters and they, they want to blame their fingers or the touch screen or whatever it is i what i think takes time and some people never want to uh, accept this is you have to learn to love and depend on autocorrect and not try to avoid it because you know i'll find that by the fourth or fifth letter of a word even if I've hit none of the letters correctly, that's when the suggestion comes up that's the right one, and I know I can just hit the spacebar and accept it and move on. Um, but, yeah, I mean, certainly I think that iOS 6's uh, autocorrect and keyboard feel different, and there are some keys that I do agree with you and Dan Frakes that are harder to type than they used to be, especially around the delete key. Um I feel like they maybe made the delete key target a little bit larger, and that's frustrating. But on the whole, I'm very impressed with some of the the -the behind-the-scenes changes in autocorrect in iOS 6.
0: Yeah, I found that some of the suggestions that come up are good. But at the same time, I start typing a lot of times, and I'm like, that is not a word. <laughs> I'm hitting I'm hitting all the places I think those letters are, and apparently it is giving me all different letters. But I think it's always been, as you say, sort of an a acquired habit to a certain extent because it's not quite like typing on a regular keyboard.
1: My, my um, uh, autocorrect keeps wanting me to spell Amazon, lowercase a, lowercase m, capital or lowercase a, capital Z, lowercase O, lowercase n. I have no That's idea amazing.
0: That's, That's amazing. Amazon. That's
1: Amazon. That. It's a little um, strange.
2: Yeah, I, well, you, well, yeah. And if you have one of those, like I had a friend who every time he tries to type his wife's name, it was typing an in insult instead, uh, he claims. Uh, and you know, when you have issues like those, I think you just got to go into... Uh, therapy. You, oh, sorry. You, no. No, you, you go into your settings and you tweak, um, you tweak the keyboard shortcuts, because you can add a keyboard shortcut. So like if, if I were you, Glenn, I would go in and put one with Amazon spelled correctly. And then it's just going to add uh. – for whatever reason, it has learned – that it, it mistakenly learned that you on Amazon spelled the way it's spelling it. And so it's obnoxiously trying to be helpful, and that is horrible. But if you go into the keyboards and you say, let me add a new shortcut,
1: and you spell it the way you want it to be spelled, well, then it will still start auto-completing for that instead. I, I will share the sickeningly sweet thing that my wife and I do send moi to each other, spelled M. W a h as a sign of affection, and it took a long time, and we kept sending mesh to each other. Mesh, mesh says autocorrect. Mesh, <laughs> mesh, 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 that's, and that's, we that's, finally. That's Yiddish. But yeah, mesh. Yeah, new.
2: Oh, well, I thought it was their suggestions of what each other should wear.
1: Oh yes. So, but it's finally <laughs> we finally managed to overcome the resistance, and after I don't know how long, moi is apparently now acceptable to autocorrect on <laughs> each of our phones.
0: Speaking of recognition, I had a I had an unholy battle with Siri uh, this. Past week as I was trying to send a message to someone and it kept misunderstanding me. I think part of it was that it was hooked up to the Bluetooth in my car. And that microphone is not as good as the fact that, you know, the iPhone 5, for example, has like three microphones, right? And it does a good job of noise cancellation and speech recognition. It's designed for all that. But when it outsources that to the Bluetooth mic in the car, I think it has a lot more trouble. But even when I finally like in frustration, like, you know, grabbed the phone off my little mount there and, and spoke into it, it got everything right. And then it's like, but the person, it complained that it could not find the person I was trying to send it to in the contacts had the name completely right, and it was clearly someone who was in my contacts. And it was like, nope, don't see that person. So I spent a really long time yelling at Siri, uh, very, very angrily. So I don't, I don't know if you've had any experiences with Siri since that's one of the other updated features in iOS six. But it, it, vast, for the most part, it seems to be pretty good. But there are definitely places where I find that it feels like it's just misunderstanding me completely.
1: I've done a lot more testing with it in iOS 6 uh, than I did certainly with iOS 5. I figured, you know, it's been updated. It should be more robust. It's certainly fairly amazing about names. I'm really stunned how well it can recognize personal names that are, you know, the pronunciation makes no sense relative to how it's spelled. Um, I still find it weird that I can't do things like, say, uh, you know, read me the last text message from Lynn Warner or show me the last five pictures I took. It, It does some things around that, but it won't, do what I would think would be common tasks and would be exceedingly easy for it to do with integration. Um, You know, you can send text, you can send email, you can get directions, you can get information. um, But – it, there, there is still. It feels like missing pieces that should be obvious, and maybe, maybe people don't want it. You know, to say because if you miss a text message, you can't just say, "I can't push the button, and say read the text message I just missed, or read that message that Lynn just sent." I have to actually. I mean, there's no way to do it as far as I can. Well, oh,
0: usually, no. Usually, you should be able to say if you get a message. Usually, you can say, you know, read me my la- my last message, or do I have any mm. new messages?
1: If I don't, uh, or if even I've, read
0: me Lynn's message. If
1: I yeah, none of that seemed to work, I tried a lot of variations, and I couldn't get it to do that it it's work, possible it that Siri email, just doesn't like for, you
0: for messages.
1: Yeah, it might be it. It's, it's, I will
0: say though, that my least favorite Siri thing, because this is the one, the sentence that sets me off always is, to whom do you want to send it when you try to send a message and it assumes that the person – it misinterprets you saying a person's name right. instead as the content of the message?
2: Oh, see, I get it exactly the other way. I get, okay, I can send a message to, to Dan Moore, and What do you want it to say after I've just spent 20 seconds telling it exactly what I wanted to say to you? That's what gets oh, me. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good, too. I will say my biggest spe- iOS 6-specific Siri complaint – see how I pushed it on topic Ooh. there for you, Dan? Was – you know, I love the new edition of, of sports and movie knowledge, but so far, as I've written about on MacWorld, it's only series only really good at, at answering questions about athletes or about uh, about about movie stars if they have easy to discern names. And so, for example, when I talk about. Uh, when I, when I ask for a, a question about, say that you know I'm an Eagles fan, a Philadelphia Eagles fan. If I ask for a question about Mike Vick, it can handle that name. That's two common words. But if I act about, hey, uh, what number is Namdi Asamoa or Dominique Rogers-Cromartie, <laughs> right. Siri just has absolutely no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, like Glenn, because he doesn't follow football. And uh, so I mean, I do I don't know do how they can, can try, fix try to it, pronounce but they it
0: phonetically it. or how you think yes. Siri will understand
2: it. <laughs> yes, do I do that. What I found works with sports stars more easily than that is you, you say, show me the roster for the the eagles or whatever and then you can say everybody's number and then he'll say show me number 27 for the eagles and it shows <laughs> you the guy and then you can even say things like who's taller michael vick or number 27 for the Philadelphia of eagles and it it figures out who you mean and it gets it all i'm
1: just frustrated That's i can't a, say things like you know what's the difference I, I try to use Wolfram from alfram style queries since it does so much and i'll say you know what's the current distance between mars and earth because you know maybe my older son wants to know that for some reason and it'll be like you know do you want to call roman mars i'm like no 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 i know a guy named I'm asking what is clearly semantically a question. If I ask other kinds of questions, it's okay. I I think it's that series. The thing that I find frustrating with it is that it's discoverability is not fantastic. Like I'm not rewarded for playing around with it. I don't get, I, I find a lot of dead ends or information I don't want. And it feels like that should be. That should be better. I mean, that is doing well, already amazing this, things. So this I is the issue where that.
0: we come into talking about something that's truly like artificial intelligence, right? Yeah, you know? that's true. And I think that's that's hard. It's, like it's, it's getting to a point where it's smart enough that it can figure out uh, not just like what the predefined tasks are, but interpolate like what you might want to do with it. And, that, and I think that's kind of a, a – a, I don't want to say quantum leap because it's it's sort of a logarithmic increase, you know, an exponential increase in the, in capability. And I think that will get there at some point, but we're kind of working on the basic version of it. Like, in some ways, this is even better, right, than OS 10 had speech recognition for years. And this feels like a big jump over that because that was really, Definitely. there were predefined commands. items has nothing on Siri. Oh, right yes. And so no, I think when we see the next jump over that, that will be truly impressive to all of us who feel like Siri right now is pretty cool, but like you know, the next generation of that will be even more impressive. I
1: I agree with that. I think, I mean, this is, you know, this is one of these sorts of magic technologies is that it works a lot of the time and it works very well, but it's hard to know what's going to work and what isn't. So I do spend time thinking like, well, I'll just do this with Siri. And I'm like, oh, I could have typed in like two words in Google, you know, pulled the car over or just picked up the phone and done it. And it would have been easier. And there'll be a point, you know, I noticed this with, this is sort of a strange example, but my uh, credit union started allowing me to scan checks instead of depositing them. And I could scan them with my own scanner. And when, started about one in three checks went through and the other two didn't i'm like yeah. you know it's huh. easier to go to an atm and then over time i barely noticed it got better and better and now a hundred percent of checks i scan always go through and i feel I like knew i knew it's the same thing yeah so because you know it's it's a tricky thing what they're doing and so i feel like siri is going to go through that same evolution it does a lot more now and it does a lot better and it's added those categories in iOS 6 and i expect it will slowly Improve where we're like, oh yeah, this just works. When when did that happen? I I didn't notice.
2: Uh, recently, I was having issues with Siri on my iPhone five, especially understanding what I said, transcribing my request, and then not acting on it, just spinning and spinning and spinning. And that's when I feel like I really hate yeah. Siri because now I could have done it faster. If you're just going to sit there and do nothing, and then I don't. And it's like, how long do I wait? Because it's uh, at some point, it's diminishing returns. But if exactly. you you know, if you push the home button now, it's a waste. Of, you know. But I realized I kept encountering that for several days in a row when that issue was happening because I really do series for a lot of things. Like I do not schedule reminders by hand. I don't schedule I don't set timers by hand. I usually don't even iMessage by hand at this point point. and if I have a, a long email to type or a long iMessage to type out Uh, and I'm in a quiet place, especially given that I I work from home and and never see any other human beings, I I let Siri do it for me. And so when it's not working, now it actually slows me down and I feel it. I don't even realize, my point is I don't realize how often I'm using Siri until Siri's not there.
1: You know, Lex, this was supposed to be a podcast, but it's actually turned into an intervention. You need to see somebody, (laughs) at least a few other people.
0: please stop depending on me for everything. Thanks, Dan Sirin. <laughs> oh, my. I just wish she, sometimes the voice was a little more natural. Like, there are a couple of places where there's really weird pauses in there still yes. with, like, oh, there's a comma or something, and so it'll do this entire sentence, and then it's, like, it's almost like a punchline to a joke. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, then and it's it'll be it's it's funny. funny for two seconds, and you'll start to speak, and then it'll go
2: it's funny that they haven't yes more explicitly given a for series stock phrases given it more coaching on how to say things like there's i, I think i know the one you're i can't think of what message yeah, is. But there's is one that? where it gives know. a huge pause it's like i need oh yeah it's like who do you want it's it's that same one i was talking about before it's like you know, i need a name or can send contact that message, number, yeah. but who do you want to speak right and but that pause before i need a name or contact number is so long you start talking like six or you seven start talking
0: almost pause. right it's like oh it's and then it keeps going. <laughs> My favorite, oh. and
2: then the, I also like if I was asking, you know, who's, um, you know, I, I forget what it was, but just the other day I was asking about records in the NFL, and it said, you know, this team won, so now they have a four to and three record. No, they have a four and three record series. They don't have a four and three record. My, and I feel like if it's stock phrases that somebody has
0: written for it, somebody else should be telling Siri how to. Also, sometimes, sometimes uh, music, uh, the names of music tracks I tell it to play are hilariously mispronounced.
1: This was I had, a, I had an experience. It wasn't Siri. It was Tom Tom. But I was driving in the southern part of California from Santa Monica to the airport. It said take. Five the five 2 Los Angeles and I'm like, <laughs> come on, <laughs> Tom Tom, are you that lazy? You can't put a Los Angeles exception. Occasionally, I get a, a Siri will say something and you're just thinking that word is uttered a million times a day. Is it really necessary to have the wrong version of it there? But oh, wait, you it's know, necessary. My, oh yeah, my my third party GPS unit
2: lets you change its voice, and you know, and so uh, for a long time we used. Um, the australian voice because we liked it so much and then i remember we had to turn on a, a bucks county road and it said buckinghamshire because it assumed <laughs> the bucks was an abbreviation for buckinghamshire. and i still wish that you could change siri's voice without changing how it listened to you like right now if you tell siri oh, yes. that you wanted to use australian then you've got to start speaking an australian accent so it's good when i want to practice but frustrating
1: potentially
0: potentially offensive when you're hanging out with other australian people
1: right the uh you know the the other uh, there's one other iOS um, 6 issue i think which is uh, you know, in general, I, I don't notice the transition as much. Um, you know, there aren't that many things that are different, but the Passbook app in particular has been the one thing that's uh, stood out for people because nothing was in it, right? You got it, and people are like, "What is this?" I wrote an article that was like, "What does this thing do?" Because people were like, "It's got tabs," and I click in the App Store, like, "What what is this for?" I actually had it work this morning. I programmed in Starbucks added support and an updated version of its app to register if you have a Starbucks store value card and to punch in favorite locations. So I did that and I was actually near a Starbucks I occasionally go to and I got a notification on my screen and I did it and it showed up my Starbucks card and I thought the technology, I've finally seen a practical example of it working after a few weeks of having it on my phone.
0: Yeah, I I started using the same thing, and Starbucks, for me, was also the tipping point because it was something I didn't have to, like, well, I could fly someplace (laughs) and get an American (laughs) Airlines pass, or I could go to a concert, or I could put $10 on a Starbucks card. Um, And I do like that it, it, it pops up when you're near that place and it just shows you your card and whatever, although that means invariably someone's phone will get stolen, and then they'll use up all their Starbucks money, and then they'll complain about how Apple lost them three cups of coffee. So... Uh, we'll see how that goes. But I, I think it's really interesting. I want to see how it progresses even further because I love the fact that Siri can, for example, tell you times for movies and Fandango can use Passbook. Wouldn't it be great if you could just say, oh, yeah, Siri, buy me those tickets for this showing. And then they just went automatically into your Passbook and you walked over to the movie theater and scanned your thing. That would, that would be cool. I think that's something that is a workflow that's almost totally doable with today's technology.
1: It's true. I showed this to someone today, the Starbucks uh, thing, when it popped up, and they said more dependency on your iPhone. And I was like, yeah. If I lose it, I really am. out out of luck. Well, that's what iCloud's. For I, it's true. It's got a back no on backed up. It's but if you're on if you're on the road and you lose your iPhone, I guess you get it. One, you go to the Apple Store, you retrieve. Your backups and you download 14 gigabytes of apps and you're all ready to go in a matter of hours. But no, seriously. I mean, I, I haven't, I hadn't had to use an iCloud backup for restore until, um, installing iOS 6 when I switched to a new phone. And, um, it, you know, that was, it was nice to see how well that works now. I had big problems with iOS 5 and iCloud, uh, restores and duplicate apps. Um, you guys are still seeing, I imagine the, you install an app and you get two icons in the springboard on this home screens. I'm still getting I've, that.
0: I've, I've not. I have had never that. seen that.
1: Really, it's that is something people are complaining about widely. You install an app, or I don't think it's an update. I think you're installing a new app, and it shows up twice, and one of them you cannot get rid of. When you hold down the uh, button there to, or hold down your finger to uh, get the jiggly going, the jiggly move apps thing going. There's no X on it. You can't delete it, and I'm not even sure you can move it. I think you might be able to move it. I, I think
2: the cure is you you restart your phone and then that goes away. I've had that in the past, but I haven't had it recently.
1: It's happened consistently, and people were complaining about it more with iOS 6, but it's just cosmetic
0: all right. Well, I think we've done a pretty good run through of all the problems, Glenn. Hopefully, you won't lose your iPhone anytime soon, and we can not all to. remain very happy and and well-adjusted individuals, except for Lex. But
2: if you if you do find Glenn's iPhone, hey, free Starbucks. Free Starbucks.
0: <laughs> well, that's it for another uh, installment of the MacWorld Podcast. I'd like to thank Lex Friedman. And, You're quite welcome. And Glenn Fleischman for joining us. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Glenn. And as to you, you. Uh, listeners, thanks always for tuning in. We'll be back next week.